Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jake Latarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at Roto Jake. I've simplified, simplified things for you a little bit since the last time. Uh, today, John and I are going to be making our fantasy picks for the biggest fights at UFC 241, which features Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic in the headline. John, um, it's been a busy couple of weeks in MMA here. We had Colby Covington uh, solidify his status. We had uh, Max Holloway once again defending his title. We had kind of a lackluster fight for Valentina Shevchenko. Pretty much everything that uh, we would have expected from her, except for uh, maybe a little bit of volume. Anything stand out for you in the headlines lately? Well, I think you brought up a good point. I think the first two title fights you you know you mentioned were or obviously the Covington wasn't a title fight, but uh, you know fairly competitive. You know Holloway strongly beat Frankie Edgar, but you know Frankie hung around. Um, the Valentina Shevchenko Lish Carmouche fight the other day was you know lopsided. 
Uh, and as we talked about before, when you have an event every week and I was going through the, the uh, weeks for the rest of the year, I, I'm pretty sure there's like an event like almost every week for every Saturday, the remainder of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. I think we're actually when you, off, are we off on the 24th? Uh, for some reason, I want to say there might on be the, one, there might be one or, one, two, one or two weeks off the rest of the year. But besides that, there's like one sh- every week straight through. And mm-hmm. you know, when you do that, you're going to get fights like, you know, you had the other day and the UFC tried to build it up that. You know, Valentina Shevchenko lost to Liz Carmouche the first two times they fought. So that makes Carmouche a legitimate contender. Everybody obviously knew that wasn't the case. And the results certainly played out like that. But uh, you're going to get that when you have, you know, cards every week. You're going to get main events and co-main events that aren't great. And you're going to get cards that aren't deep. Uh, but thankfully, uh, this one is certainly not. We do, certainly do not have that issue with this card. Yeah, you bet. We get a rare, rare week off confirmed after this one before they do the uh, Jessica Andrade against Wiley Zhang in uh, Shenzhen, August 31st. So we'll cherish that week off after this. But uh, we're going to earn that week off because we've got an amazing card. I'm, I'm so stoked for this card, John. And to make things even juicier, we've got a hundred grand up for DraftKings, up for grabs on DraftKings. It's a hundred thousand dollar top prize, six figures. You don't see that a ton. Well. I guess last time we were together for UFC 239 for the Bones fight, they did have it. Um, That was set up a little bit uh, different entry-wise, but this uh, there's a $25 GPP on DraftKings. First prize goes to 100 grand. Chances are that's getting split up a bunch of ways, but nonetheless, good chance to cash in on DraftKings if you do some unique things with your lineups that eventually pay off. But let's get things started right away. With our main event, we've got a heavyweight championship fight between Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. DC is 8,500 on DraftKings. Stipe coming back at 7,700. Last time they fought, this is a rematch. Last time they fought, Stipe came in as a pretty decent-sized favorite. He was knocked out by DC. Thus, this time around, we have DC at minus 145. Come back on Stipe, plus 125. Odds to finish on this one are minus 350. So uh, Vegas thinks somebody's going to sleep here or I guess getting submitted. We'll go ahead and see if that happens. John, we both picked Stipe Miocic last time. Uh, he was on such a historic uh title heavyweight title run and he's looking to get back on track has not fought since that last time what if anything has changed for you since the first time these two fought you know it's funny like you mentioned uh stipe has not fought since the last time um these two guys met so essentially for him he's getting his immediate rematch um janu cormier of course fought Derek lewis in november and what ended up being a really lopsided fight um but as far as uh, stipe is concerned this is essentially his immediate rematch um you know, this is a good card because the first three fights we're going to talk about led off by this one. Um, I went back and forth on my picks multiple times. Uh-huh. Um, I ended up, when all of a sudden done, taking Stipe again. And um, the main reason is I don't think it's a fluke that Cormier won the first time, but I certainly think it's a fluke how it happened. It was essentially really just one punch that led to Stipe's, you know, downfall. And uh, say what you want about DC. Obviously, he's certainly one of the greatest of all time. Um, he's n- not known as a one-punch knockout artist. You know, that's not his game. He has power and he can finish guys, but you know, that's not how he makes his living. He's got loads of torque in those short arms. Is that seventy-two-inch reach? He had heavyweight. The power's there. It seems like, and we saw it last time. He can wind up and catch it, especially if he gets you within range. He definitely can. And, um, but I would still term him more of you know, a volume guy than, you know, a, a legit one punch, you know, he's not Francis Ngannou, you know, or a guy like that. Um, so 
you know, I think we both mentioned the first time that in order for Dan, DC to win, he would have to rely on his wrestling and negate what is a massive size differential between the two. And when all is said and done, he really didn't have to do that. Um, I'm going to double down and say that he's going to have to do it again because I think the odds of this fight, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't be shocked if Cormier won. I went back and forth on my pick, but I'd be pretty surprised if it happened the same way. And um, DC has made a living beating up guys that are bigger than him. He's uh, massively undersized at heavyweight. He was undersized almost every fight at light heavyweight. You know, it's rare he's the bigger guy. Um, He knows how to fight. He knows how to negate the distance between him and a much bigger opponent. But I think it's um, really important for Cormier to be able to consistently land takedowns to win. And, you know, say what you want about Stipe. The first fight, he obviously, it was a disappointing result. But this is a guy who, throughout the course of his career, has been durable. You know, he's only been knocked out twice in his entire career. That fight against Cormier and a fight way back in 2012 against Stefan Struve, which is seems like ages ago because it is. He's coming out um, of retirement. They booked a fight for I Struve know. today. <laughs> don't, 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 don't get me started on that. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think it's going to be really important for DC to get back to his wrestling. And, you know, I looked earlier. He did not – he was not – you know, obviously it's a small sample size. The fight didn't even last a round. It only lasted four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. But he did not score a takedown in the first fight, and Stipe actually did. So yes. Stipe is an underrated wrestler. He's a pretty good wrestler. Mm-hmm. His takedown defense is 75%, which is, you know, excellent. We usually say, you know, 65% or so is average. Once you get start getting above 75, you know, you're, you're talking really good. Yep. So I think this is really important. I think if this fight goes the way I expect it to go, and that being a fight that lasts longer than one round like it did the first time, mm-hmm. I would be really surprised if Cormier wins the way he won the first time. That's not to say he's not going to win at all. Mm-hmm. Um but I think um, Stipe can make up that difference now. Yeah. And I think Stipe's going to have more respect for his power this time around because he's felt it. Definitely. And, you know, there were definitely, and, you know, Cormier, DC got hit a couple times in the first fight. Mm-hmm. Cormier is durable. You know, he, he can take a punch. But even if, uh, you know, I was on the fence for a while, you know, and I, this could go either way. Um, I'm st- I understand the Vegas odds. Cormier is minus 145. Stipe is plus 125. That's your typical, you know, champion challenger, you know, number roughly. But the DK salaries to me are a little wacky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't I know Cormier is essentially has firmly established himself really as one of the greatest fighters of all time. But, you know, I have a hard time believing he's what, eight hundred out worth eight hundred dollars more. He's eighty five hundred steep a seventy seven hundred. So even if you think Cormier is going to win, which is a totally valid opinion, you know, it's essentially a pick for me. I don't see how you don't any I don't see how steep is not the much better DK play given the salaries. Yeah, exactly. When you take that into account, I think for that exact reason, we're going to see Stipe with some pretty high ownership percentages because 7,700 lets you squeeze a couple of the other favorites in. And I just want to look through a couple of the numbers here from uh, you know the fight metric stats. And you need to keep in mind that these are all of the UFC. So a lot of these that DC has accumulated have been at light heavyweight, where Stipe has pretty much been the entirety at heavyweight. Stipe doesn't really cut weight uh, to get to heavyweight. So uh, that's one of the things about him. But anyway, uh, striking volume, uh, Stipe has the edge. Force 0.76 significant strikes landed per minute to 3.84 for DC. 
striking accuracy. Stipe is 2% better, 51 to 49%. Uh, strikes absorbed DC slightly better uh, on the defensive end, but slightly. Um, and then, you know, we, we think of DC as a wrestler. Um, and of course he's got a takedown percentage and accuracy a little bit better than Stipe, but in terms of offensive wrestling volume, Stipe is 2.38 takedowns per 15 minutes of fight time, whereas DC is 2.04 takedowns per 15 minutes of fight time. So all of this in hand, I think Stipe enters this 405 days removed from his last fight. He's had 405 days to stew on, on, on his loss and, and him relinquishing his belt. Um, so there's that kind of X-factor narrative going on. I mean, DC's been out of action for 287 days. He hasn't fought since last November. He's had some uh, health issues that have pushed back his self-imposed retirement date. He got Stipe a couple years younger as well. I know he wants that belt back. I've got an old Rotowire sizzle highlight reel where I call Stipe for the upset to win the title. And I'm not only do I really want that to be able to use that highlight reel again here um i actually think stipe is going to win this fight i'm picking him again straight up i don't think you're going to sneak up on anybody though by using him on DraftKings as the underdog i think he's going to be a very popular underdog play and for that reason if you're playing mass entry if you're doing 100 lineups this is the only five round fight on the card so i think you need to take this in my opinion at least 60 40 with the way that you're leaning in because both these guys do have the potential to win dc's got so much torque you know he's he's going to be at an eight inch reach disadvantage but if he gets you inside he knocks stipe out with the perfectly placed uppercut again i think stipe is going to have a little bit more respect and be and be able to see that one coming a little better than the first time around but this is one that we're going to agree on john i'm going to pick stipe as well i'm very curious to see how the staff picks pan out when i post those on thursday yeah, and I think one interesting thing you mentioned is, you know, Stipe, you mentioned 4.76 significant strikes a minute compared to 3.84 from D.C., and when you look at it deeper, when you think about it, that number is probably even a little more lopsided than that mm-hmm. because the vast, a lot of DC's offense comes from top position when he has his opponents down. Yes, so exactly. if we don't, we don't have a, you know, we don't have a, a statistic as far as, you know, strikes landed per minute at distance or anything like that. But there's, there's a significant gap for Cormier to bridge on the feet. And I wrote that in my preview article, basically what it comes down to, to me is, I think Cormier, I think Stipe has a bigger advantage in an extended fight on the feet. Mm-hmm. I have more confidence in him in that position than I do in DC getting Stipe to the mat consistently. Now, if Cormier wins via knockout again, you know, like he did the first time, you tip your hat and move on. You know, there's not much else you can do about that. Mm-hmm. But that's not his game, and Stipe doesn't have the rep of being a fragile fighter. So, exactly. you know, you know uh, we're both going to roll the dice on the yeah. guy. On if, that the happens, guy. if that happens, I bet you DC will ride into the sunset on retirement, and then Stipe's going to get a fight, and he's going to win his belt back after that. <laughs> that's how much I like Stipe and his uh, diverse game, and he's just excellent in so many areas here. And like you said, the result may not have been fluky the first time, but exactly the method in which it was done could be considered a little fluky. Yeah, uh, and I'm so. glad this is and I'm glad this is happening mm-hmm. because you know there's there's uh, you know legitimate fans of the sport and I'm not talking like you know fringe fans with the WWE crossover or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, no one wanted to really no one who really you know cares about the sport wanted to yeah. see DC immediately fight Brock I mean, Lesnar. He was going to be like a there's minus no, 500 favorite in that oh, fight. Oh, at least I'm you surprised know, that would have even gotten sanctioned. DC would have wiped the floor with him. But <laughs> glad yeah, we're not having that conversation. It, you know, no, it's it's not. It would have been more, uh, and the UFC does this all the time, it would have been more of those 
you know, ploy straight up matches to sell tickets. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is a fight that should be happening. It's a good fight. There are a million ways to break it down. And like we said, you know, it's a close fight. And you haven't seen that as often in some, look at the fight last week. What was Valentina Shevchenko? Minus, it was more than minus a thousand. Yeah, it, it was like minus, minus 1250. And it might have came back to the yeah. minus 800 to a thousand range as we were getting close in on Still fight time. There. If there's a, if there's a championship fight or a main event, where one of the two fighters is that big of a favorite, the fight shouldn't be happening. Yeah, right on. on you, that. Can, you can find a better challenger if that's the Vegas odds. Mm-hmm. In that note, we're going to move on to a the welterweight division here, where we've got a fighter coming back from a very long layoff for one of the more intriguing matchups on the card. I mean, the main co-main and even the fight before that that we're going to discuss are all excellent, exceptional fights. Um, so I can't wait to check into this one. But let's start talking about Anthony Pettis against Nate Diaz. Uh, Pettis is a slight favorite, minus 125 comeback, and Diaz plus 105. Pettis is 8,300 on DraftKings, Diaz 7,900. Odds to finish are plus 155. This is a three-round fight that uh, Vegas seems to think will go the distance here. Now, it's been a while since we've seen Diaz in action. In fact, that was against Conor McGregor. So we've got 1,092 days since the last time Nate Diaz has set foot into the octagon. Are you worried about the rust here, John? It's funny. I'm not worried about the rust. Um, I've said many times, I really believe both Diaz brothers enjoy fighting. And in the sense that I think they like the camps, I think they like the training, I think they like the competition. I, I you know, I, I legitimately think they enjoy all that. Um, so, and you know, both the S brothers have always been known for having exceptional cardio. So I, I'm not worried about Nate showing up ready to fight, but there's certainly an element to this where, unless he has some kind of, you know, financial hardship that hasn't been reported and we don't know about. Um, neither Diaz brother is stepping into the octagon unless they get the price tag that they're looking for. I also think part of it was he thinks he can win this fight. Him and his management team think, okay, Anthony Pettis, a little bit of a smaller guy. I mean, a guy that used to fight at featherweight and they're doing this at welterweight. I think him and his management team are pretty confident in this fight. They wouldn't go out there if they were going to risk, if they thought that they, it was too much of a risk to lose. No, I would buy that. And I also, uh, this is, hasn't been mentioned either, but I wouldn't be surprised if the fact this is taking place, you know, not far at the cards in Anaheim, um, you know, not far from his home and their home in Stockton, you know, is part of it. You know, I would, that way, you know, Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz is not, you know, maybe if you pay him to fight Conor McGregor, but you know, in general, they're not going to get on a plane and fly to Australia to fight. You know, well, you know what I mean? I think part of it is in addition to the first point I made, he thinks that if he gets a win here, then Conor McGregor will be up next. Cause I don't have really any interest in seeing Conor Khabib again. Cause I don't think that turns out any differently. Dana said he's not going to do Conor Masvidal. So if Diaz wins, especially if he wins convincingly, then Dana could probably have a reason to put on the trilogy fight there. He certainly could. And the crazy thing is, you know, I looked at this, you know, front to back a million times. I have no idea what's going to happen in this fight. Um, Diaz, um, and my, me say part of it is certainly because Diaz has been away for so long, but that's not even my biggest concern. Um, I was, I am not, I have been worried about Pettis. Um, look, he's not the same Showtime guy he was when he, you know, Showtime kicked Benson Anderson. He fights differently now. Um, he's alternated wins and losses in his last two, three, four, eight fights. Um, 
and he gets hit too much. He's not the crazy athletic guy who was on a Wheaties box. Yeah. He's changed the way he's fought. And his problem when he's struggling was he looked hesitant and got hit way too much. But then he went out in March and obliterated Stephen Thompson in a kickboxing match. I mean, he came from behind. I, didn't think I think was he possible. was getting beaten up a bit in the first round. And then in the second round, he had a Superman. His back was against the cage, and he launched this amazing Superman punch, and he knocked Wonder Boy out, which is not easy to do against a very careful counter-striker like Wonder no, Boy. I didn't think there was any chance he would ever in a million years win that fight via knockout. Mm-hmm. So that the end result of that fight really, really surprised me. And... You know, say what you want about, you know, the struggles lately of Pettis, but he's four and four in his last eight fights. But the losses were Edson Barbosa, Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson. Mm-hmm. No shame. You know, so that's the best of the best. So, um, you know, I I'm really I ended up picking Pettis. Um, I'm not particularly confident about it at all. Um, I do think Nate is going to show up ready to fight. So if that's your concern, if you're looking at this and saying, well, you know, I think Nate, you know, is matches up well against Pettis and I think he's going to win, but I'm worried about all the time off. I'm not concerned about that. I just don't really know what to expect in what is really just, it's a weird matchup for two guys who we have all the evidence in the world on, you know, both have been around forever. Um, this is a fight with a crazy range of possible outcomes. Mm-hmm. And there's a little, it's a little bit like the first fight we talked about DC and Stipe in the sense that Pettis is going to have to negate, not as, not as lopsided, but Nate has a two inch height advantage and a four inch reach advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, you know, Nate is, and Nate is both Diaz brothers are the ultimate definition of durable. So if this turns into, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, punch for punch, who can take more and survive? Nate's going to win that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and both of them are excellent grapplers as well. I very much see where you're coming from here, John. This is kind of a pick 'em for me, and the odds are looking like that. I mean, if it if Diaz had been fighting with any regularity and and even seen a mild amount of success, I could see this being a straight pick 'em. This is a tough one for me, John, because I'm going to pick Pettis because of because uh, because of basically how impressed I was with the Wonder Boy knockout. I mean. Who knows, maybe not having to cut that ridiculous amount of weight is really going to help him turn things around a little bit. I'm not crazy confident in that, but I think it's going to help his his power and, and his chin, which is never, I mean, he's been able to withhold quite a few punishments going back to that Ferguson fight recently. So I'm picking Pettis, but the margin is ever so thin. And for that reason, this is kind of a fight. While Diaz throws a decent amount of volume, um, this is probably going to be one that I fade on DraftKings. I'm going to be below the field in terms of exposure level. Um, I don't think it can be that high of a scoring fight, especially assuming this goes to a decision. If there's any extended grappling exchanges over these 15 minutes that's going to even take down the striking totals i could see this being a fight where the winning fighter gets 75 DraftKings points and if you're chasing 100k that's not going to be enough so because i don't see a stoppage because i think they're both durable with excellent cardio and can both take plenty of shots without issue um this is going to be a point fight that goes the decision and that's just not going to yield good output on DraftKings. so on the record i'm picking pettis by staff for our staff picks when those go up on thursday but I'm not really looking to get heavy exposure on DraftKings. Yeah, that sounds right. It's it's just it's strange for guys for two guys who have been around forever. It's just a really hard fight to try and break down. Um, I got you. And I think that 
I think there's enough depth on this card where you can probably get away with not using this fight and still be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Some underdogs for sure here. Uh, before we move to the next excellent matchup, I got a quick message from our friends at Prize Picks. If you're sick of spending countless hours on lineup prep on other DFS sites only to come out short, I've got an alternative for you in the form of Prize Picks. Com. Our friends at Prize Picks have created the most simple and fast daily fantasy game. All you have to do is choose over or under correctly on a player's fantasy point projection to win. No competing against thousands of pros while trying to meet a salary cap. With Prize Picks, it's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks has new boards of selections up every day, covering MMA fighters and players from MLB, NBA, PGA, NHL, NFL, NCAA football, that's right around the corner, and more. They're also the first DFS site to allow you to make cross-sport entries. This is the coolest part for me, John. Uh, so you can go take the under on Daniel Cormier fantasy points, for example, while taking the over on the Mets game if you want. So price picks really is daily fantasy simplified to get a free entry plus a 25% deposit match. Just visit rotowire.com slash prize picks to sign up now or use promo code wire. That's W I R E all caps. When you download the prize picks app, that's prizepicks.com. Thank you to our sponsors very much. John, we're going to go to a middleweight fight here. Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa. This was supposed to go down at Madison Square Garden last November. It's been canceled and rebooked a ton of times. I am super pumped that this fight is finally happening. Uh, Romero is the favorite, given that he's been fighting title fights uh, for the better part of the last couple years. He's 8,600 on DraftKings, Costa only 7,600. The betting odds, Romero minus 155, Costa plus 135. Odds to finish here, Vegas likes this one going the distance, looking at minus 350. John, now that we finally get to see this fight, uh, what are your expectations in terms of how this goes down? This is going to be a good one. Um, again, another fight where I think you can make a case for both guys. Uh, Yoel Romero is not the same fighter he was just a couple of years ago. He's kind of changed the way he's fought. Um, he used to be the kind of guy who just MCs, emptied his gas tank almost immediately. Um, we all saw uh, granted, a lot of those are five round fights, but we all saw how, you know, that big energy dump in the beginning really cost him in in the later state later stages of the, of the fights. For what it's worth, I think he won the second Whitaker fight, but I don't know how how alone I am in that opinion. That could have gone both ways. Yeah, I'd have to watch again. It was close. I mean, it's interesting because Romero has really just superhuman explosiveness. He has this ability he he looks like a superhero and he's the a genetic thing freak is, of ink of nature it, he's 42 years old but he is absolutely insane. chiseled the one of the most physical specimens i'm sure you, you saw it is all over him i bet you he gets tested more than any other fighter but still clean to date i guess it's insane and you know he's been fighting smarter in the sense that he's been waiting back um and kind of letting the fight come to him but then he can use his athleticism to explode when there's an opening and you know that work that game plan works a bit better certainly when you're in a five round fight than a three round fight yeah we saw um, that lately that second and third round romero is because could be just as dangerous as first round romero if he's willing to pick his spots properly and that's exactly what happened against luke rockhold when he annihilated luke rockhold he did and for a guy who does get hit Romero's durable. You know, he's been knocked out once in his career and it came against uh, Rafael Cavacante and it was, you know, in strike force, I don't know, eight years ago almost. Um, I'm going to pick Romero to win, but, um, you know, I wrote him in, in, in the preview article. I, you know, cost, cost for those of you who haven't seen Costa because, you know, he has not been with the company all that long. 
Um, he's twelve and he's twelve and zero. Um, Eleven of the twelve wins have come via knockout. All three of his UFC wins have come via knockout. He comes out and he throws bombs. I mean, everything is from the bleachers. Not just bombs, but output. We're looking at 8.83 significant strikes landed per minute. If he keeps that up over 10 fights, he's the all-time record holder. Yeah. He's also a very good mat wrestler and a BJJ black belt, but you've never seen it. And you probably haven't needed it. He has yet to record a takedown in the UFC. 81% takedown defense. So that's quite respectable. And I don't think you're going to see it here. Mm -hmm. I am, I am worried about Romero's ability to survive that initial flurry, because if he's hesitant and slow and continues to employ this, you know, let the fight come to me game plan, Costa can knock his head off. So, um, I'm picking Romero to win with the caveat that I would not be surprised in the least if Costa obliterated him in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like so, I could see. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're chasing I, I that 100K, Costa at 7600 isn't necessarily the worst option, is what you're saying? Oh no, I think it's I think it's a good option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would be if I if I wrote if I if you make multiple lineups, I would be all over Costa at 7600. Um, another thing to keep in mind on Friday is. You know, Romero has had weight cutting issues before he's failed to make weight on a couple occasions. And that's, you know, something to keep an eye on. You know, Costa himself is not a small man. Um, but, you know, Romero, like you said, you know, and he's going to there have been rumors, you know, all that stuff. And he's going to continue, you know, to get flack and get tested and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he missed weight for the he missed weight for the last Robert Whitaker yeah. fight. I wish you saw he him was, just take a hike for this yeah. fight. Let him use IVs, do what they got to do. I would be very, very sad if this fight got called off. You know, so actually, when you look at it, which I didn't realize, he's missed weight for his last two fights. Mm-hmm. He missed weight for the Whitaker fight when he so, when he wasn't eligible to win the belt, mm-hmm. and then he missed he missed weight when he knocked out Luke Rockhold. And it's been four hundred thirty four days since he last made that cut. And look, we're not talking about a lot, you know. He missed weight for the Romero, for the Whitaker fight by 0.2 pounds. He was 185.2. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a championship fight, you don't get that extra pound. He missed weight for the Rock. He missed weight bad for the Rockhold fight. He missed. He was 187.7 in that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're cutting like that, you know, two tenths of a pound seems like nothing. But when you're probably when you walk around it, whatever you walk around that, he's got to be north of 205 pounds. I mean, he probably walks around uh-huh. around five, six percent body fat tops. Yeah. So there's not you a know, whole lot of so, water weight to cut no, there. No, but he's you know, he's got to get there. And, uh, you know, uh, like you said, I, you know, there's a I really just hope for what like, this thing's been scheduled and rescheduled multiple times. And, you know, what are we now? Four days away, five days away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you hope they both get there. At this point, you know, uh, uh, Romero was supposed to face Jacare in April. Uh, He had to be pulled out of that fight. That was the fight where Jack Hermanson replaced him and ended up beating Jacare badly. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a good fight. And um, if you're looking for that 100K on DraftKings, I definitely think Costa's the better play. He's the far, far more likely guy to score an immediate, you know, 30 second knockout or whatever and i mean if you start your lineup with steep and costa which i don't know if you're going to catch anything on the field because you're going to see relatively high ownership percentages but if you start your lineup out with those guys you you can pretty much pick who you want from there maybe not entirely like the next top four favorites but pretty dang close so i do see where that strategy is coming but because there's enough 
underdogs that I'm fine with on this card. I actually had enough money left to pay up for Romero, and I think he's the all-around better mixed martial artist. Definitely uh, more experienced. I know he started later in the game. I try to ignore his age every time I go to these fights because he um, he's given me reason to ignore the age. And of course, you know you got cost of the younger guy up and coming. I think it can happen, but I think the. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned Romero being an Olympic silver medalist for Cuba in wrestling, but I think the wrestling ability, if Romero gets himself into trouble, which has happened before, I think he has the ability to bail himself out with that wrestling or at least create a clinch situation while he recovers if he does get hit with that early shot. And he's, he's, I said it earlier, he's just as dangerous in rounds two and three. We only have a three round fight here that definitely favors Romero, in my opinion, even though he showed a little bit better cardio in those, in the uh, Whitaker matchup, which again, I thought he'd win because he, hammered Whitaker I think it was in the fourth round again I got to watch that again but uh I you know the point point wise I thought he uh it's, those are the really tough ones to score because you got you know the total strikes at the end and then you know the big powerful knockdown shot anyway I don't want to get too sidetracked I just uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of uh Romero what he has to do I'm going to use him in DraftKings lineup I'm going to have a slight edge and exposure to him over costa but i think you do need to have shares of both even if you make just 10 lineups because this is a fight you want to have somebody's going to sleep and and you want to get yourself a piece of that yeah you do and you know there's another thing i didn't mention in my article which i probably should have um, this is by far you know, i mean you all is one of the best in the world but this is by far the most difficult opponent Costa has ever faced mm-hmm. romero's romero's last five fights were whitaker twice Rockhold, Chris Weidman, and Jacques Carey. Costa has three UFC fights. Uriah Hall, a washed-up Johnny Hendricks, all the way Bang Bosa, I'm sorry, four, and Gareth McClellan. You know, there is a massive gap in competition that these two guys have faced. You know, is that, you know, the be-all, end-all to pick Romero, uh, you know, Romero over Costa? No, but, you know, when you're looking at things, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Four current or former champions versus four, uh, not so much, so... Um, yeah, yeah, so I'm definitely there's with a, you there's there. a gap. All right, we got to keep her moving here. Uh, we got a couple more fights on the pay per view card to cover. Maybe not, don't need to go in depth so we can save some time for um, some underdog plays at the end if we have any here. But I want to talk about a featherweight fight between Gabriel Benitez and Sadiq Youssef. Uh, Benitez, pretty big underdog in this one, 6,900 on DraftKings, Youssef 9,300. Um, the betting odds have Youssef at minus 290, comeback on Benitez plus 245. And the odds to finish are minus 140 for a featherweight fight here. I think we're going to pick the same person here in line with the betting odds, but how confident are you, I guess, in Sadiq Youssef getting a stoppage? I'm pretty, I, I like him. I think he's a pretty good fighter. Um, again, a guy with a limited amount of UFC experience, you know, product for another product of Dana White's Tuesday night contender series, which, you know, we seem to say every card now he's um, given, has one of first two to four contracts a night, basically. So when you get a roster up to 600, that's one way to do it. Yeah, I think there was one card where all five fighters got one, I want to say, not too long ago. All five fighters who won on the, on that episode got contracts. Look, uh, the odds, like you mentioned, and the DK salaries um, would lead you to believe that this there's a gap in talent. I acknowledge that. But I do think Benitez is a bit better fighter than those numbers would lead you to believe. Um, he's a good He's good on the ground. Ten career submission wins. Um but he's facing a guy in Yusef, although Yusef is known for his power, he's never been taken down in his career. And Benitez is going to have a really, really hard time. This fight is on the feet for any length of time. Um, Yusef has real legitimate power. Um, I think it's going to take another couple wins 
for him to really start to get some momentum. He's 26, so he has time, Mm -hmm. but he's not a really known name. Um, He doesn't train with a big camp. You know, he doesn't have a lot of impressive wins on his resume. So you're looking at a guy who, you know, the exposure as far as casual fans really isn't there yet. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something I think there's something here. Yeah. Sometimes you look into the narrative of that and you Dana White, Sean Shelby, UFC brass, they put them on the pay-per-view for a reason. They don't just pick a random prelim to put on there. And I think and this a big, is a guy and a big pay-per-view and a huge pay-per-view. Yeah. I think this is a guy they feel they can really showcase. And this, uh, I mean, Volkanovski will fight Holloway next. I'm not sure when that'll happen, but this featherweight division is going to be in need of contenders over the next couple of years. I mean, Holloway's essentially cleaned things out and, and I don't know if Holloway will still be around maybe by the time, uh, Yusef is ready for that show shot of course provided he continues to uh get momentum but he's definitely uh he's a big favorite in this one and with good reason you know physically the two match up yusuf is uh almost five years younger um statistically it's a small sample size for yusuf but much higher volume striking yusuf never has had a takedown but benitez 0.23 takedowns per 15 minutes nothing to write home about there uh, i think yusuf gets this done and i think he gets this done with a finish here but the question is um, we might as well talk about this now is Yusef's 9,300 on this one. Devante Smith is 9,500 going against kind of a regional guy um, that just got replaced today. Um, his name's a death star. I remember if I can think of it off the head, comma worthy, I think is his That's name. It. So you have to decide, are you going to be taking smith or yusef and i generally feel better about smith for 200 more if it's an option if you can't do both i mean both is an option too but do you have any lean on that i'd probably take smith because i know more about benitez than i do the other guy mm-hmm. yeah that's fair you know benitez benitez is a good ground guy is a good good ground wrestler you know a grappler but he's gonna have to get yusef to the mat but i mean mm-hmm. you know when you're yanking so and i'm Devontae Smith, a uh, comma worthy who we were talking about, um, replaced Clay Coward. I believe it was replaced him today. Yeah, just this morning. But Smith was the biggest favorite on the card before that. Mm-hmm. And he's still Smith the biggest was going, favorite card. <laughs> yeah, he was going to be the biggest favorite against Collard, too. Yeah, minus, so minus 750 for Smith uh, and minus 270 for Yusuf. So with a $200 difference, I think the writing's on the wall there. That's a clear one. He's going to be chalk. Yeah. He'll be very, very yeah. chalk. So if you and he's take him, yeah, or a comma worthy too. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for that hundred K, maybe fade Smith and hope that he doesn't get the stoppage or something fluky happens, and then and then put yourself in a good position. But I'm pretty sure I'd be willing to wager that that hundred K winner or whoever's splitting it is going to have a piece of uh, Smith, possibly both with Yusef as well. So interesting perspective. We're both picking Yusef. One more fight to uh, discuss from the pay-per-view card. It's a middleweight matchup between Derek Brunson and the emerging Ian Heinish. Uh, Heinish is a minus 150 favorite. Come back on Brunson plus 130. The DraftKings salaries are even spread out further than that. Heinish is 8,800. Brunson is 7,400. Odds to finish on that one is my, are minus 130. Uh, John, does the favor come through here? I think he does, but, you know, I've been a Derek Brunson fan for a while, and I keep waiting for him. He's an extraordinary athlete. You know, he's not he's not on UL Romero's level, but he is a brilliant athlete. The problem with Derek Brunson has always been his fight IQ. His fight IQ is just, it's bad. He doesn't know when to go. He doesn't know when to slow down. Um, people forget he fought Robert Whitaker in November 2016. That you know that headline, the two of them headlined the card. 
he in Australia, he had Whitaker beat. He had Whitaker dead to rights. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. Whitaker came back and won. Um, you know, knocked him out. And that all happened in under the span of a round. Um, I don't like Brunson's cardio. I don't like his fight IQ. And he gets hit too much. He just, he, I, he's 35 years old now. I, you know, as much as I don't want to admit it, I, we're kind of at the point where we have to say, you know, he is what he is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I don't he's think no longer he's suddenly a prospect gonna, anymore. He doesn't get that no, label. No. And, you know, the, you know, his losses, he's three and four in his last seven fights. Mm-hmm. And that even comes with an asterisk because the one loss to Anderson Silva was a fight he clearly won. Yeah, that, but was, the Aust- that was a weird one. Oh, that, that was, that was one of the worst ones. Robbery gets thrown around too too lightly these days i think that people was, t- people see yeah. close fights and the guy they wanted didn't win they call it a robbery that one that was, was actually a robbery uh silva that did not bad. had no business winning that fight but his other three losses were Whitt- the whitaker fight israel adesanya and jacare so look he hasn't Killers. lost the bad guys Killers. i just have I, very much so but i just have no confidence in his ability to make fight to fight adjustments and he's facing a guy in ian heinich who has looked really good um, again, though, like we mentioned earlier, this is a significant jump as far as quality of competition for Ian. Mm-hmm. You know, he beat Antonio Carlos Jr. He beat uh, Cesar Fajaya. Brunson's better than both those guys by far. And I'm surprised at the odds. You know, mm-hmm. I I'm picking Ian to win, but I'm not seeing the what is it, fourteen hundred dollar difference in yeah. salary. Yeah. So for me. I'm not so surprised by the odds. I can see why that is. I think the $1,400 in salary is, is way too much, though. And uh, this is the one. You kind of alluded to it before. Based on caliber of competition, uh, this is where I'm going to look to go to an upset in this fight. And I, I think I'm going to go Brunson. And I know, he, you know you've got some concerns when he faces absolutely elite top-tier fighters about some of that fight IQ. But there's a lot of things when you look at the matchup head-to-head that seem to fall in favor of Brunson. Two-inch height advantage, four, or yeah, five-inch reach advantage here. Um, yeah, a little bit older. Slight edge in volume striking and uh, pretty much identical striking defense in terms of the percentage here. Much better in terms of takedowns. Uh, Brunson still has 100% takedown defense in the UFC, which is, uh, which is a little surprising to me. I would have expected someone to take him down eventually. But when you have a guy like Heinish getting this opportunity with a two-fight sample size, that short sample size, he should have way inflated numbers. But he actually doesn't. And uh, I'll take someone like Brunson, who's been proving it fight in and fight out, coming off a pretty decent performance against Elias Theodoro. Do I think that Brunson is the greatest play because he can get a knockout? I'm not so confident in that. But for your cash games on DraftKings, I think he's a very, very acceptable underdog with close enough to a 50-50 chance to win at 7,400. So I'm going to take him in, uh, I don't know how much cash I'll play yet. I still haven't determined that. But uh, for, for your 50-50s and heads up, I think Brunson's a fine play in those situations. I've got him in my preliminary 100K lineup. I might have to rethink that after I uh, continue to get through and pound through research here. But Brunson's going to be my pick here. Now, granted, I picked against Heinish uh, in the shoe face fight, and he won the unanimous decision against Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, after all. So maybe I'll be wrong twice in a row. But I'm going to take the pedigree and the recent performances. Uh, even if, if there's a couple losses in there, I'm going to take the pedigree of Brunson and thinking that maybe the hype train on Heinish is just going a little too fast. It's totally valid. It's just the two things I, always, I have a problem getting over are poor cardio, 
and I don't even know if Brunson has poor cardio or if his poor cardio relates to his poor fight IQ. He definitely has a poor fight IQ. Yeah, and that's the one of the things at the wrong that, time. Yeah, he does. He doesn't know like when to sit back, when to, you know, when to speed up. It's just go, go, go all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, MMA is not, is like every other sport, you know, you hear it in hockey a lot. You know, if you don't have hockey IQ, it's the hardest thing to teach. You either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in the MMA. You know, it, it's, and Brunson's 35 years old. You know, it, it's not coming now. If it's it's not here now. You're never going to see it. So, I you know, you. that's I the thing I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My last thing in favor of Brunson is, you know, I look at that fight matrix ELO a little bit, which takes, you know, uh, I think it's good to use for this fight because Heinrich does only have a two fight UFC sample size. And it kind of takes the uh, overall ranking. They rank fighters across promotions and it takes the overall resume of each guy and stacks it up. And runs it through some fancy numbers and they give Brunson a 54% chance of win to win just based on the body of work and how they fared against each other too. So if I'm leaning the way of an upset, you know, I look at the numbers that goes in the favor and then I kind of check this as a final nail in the coffin uh, to see at least someone's out there agreeing with me. Um, That's enough for me to take Brunson in cash. Does he get, does he overwhelm with the finish? I'm not confident enough in that. And uh, I'm maybe removing him from my hundred K lineup or the the $25 UFC 241 special it's called but uh for now uh, i'm gonna pick him straight up in staff picks and i i don't think i'm gonna be the only one but i guess we'll see a little bit more when that gets going here uh so let's wrap things up for the pay-per-view we've got a little bit more time left to talk about some possible upset fighters we actually picked a handful of upset fighters in these top five cards it doesn't always pan out that way but is there anyone that we haven't talked about that you can use for a little bit of salary relief say you maybe you want to get both Devonte smith and sadiq youssef in your lineup the two highest priced guys because you're confident and finishes both both ways i mean i'm pretty sure smith is uh is as close to a lock as it gets in cash games and you need that first round finish to be viable in gpps but if you want to get both of them and stack up points who are you looking at for salary relief john you know, he's facing a, talent, a talented opponent, but I definitely think Rafaela Sunstyle is a valid play at 7,500. Um, Corey Sanhagen has proven to be really good. 11-1 uh, in his career. Um, basically sent John Lineker packing after taking a split decision from him in April. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think a Sunstyle is a little under, bit underrated. You know, this is a guy who has been one of the best in the division for a long, long time. Um lost his last fight in February, but that was against Marlon Moraes. You know, Marlon Moraes beats most everybody. So, you know, there's no shame in that. A sunset has a bunch of, you know, impressive wins on his record, beat TJ Dillashaw, beat Moraes in the first fight between the two, beat Aljamain Sterling. He's a good fighter, you know, certainly, you know, maybe if you put a gun to my head and said, you know, pick straight up, maybe I'd pick Sanhagen, but I'm not seeing the 1200, like we mentioned earlier, I'm not seeing a $1,200 difference in salary. Okay. Yeah. One question related to that, cause uh, it kind of swiped one of my either ors. I was going to give you either or with Derek Brunson at 7,400 or Asuncio at 7,500, but what I'm hearing, that's clear Asuncio for you. Yes, it definitely is. And again, it goes back to the fight IQ. You know, I think Asuncio, even if he doesn't win, can uh, do some damage on Sanhagen. So, you know, maybe if your other guys pull out ahead, the other people in your lineup and a sunset gets you a few points, you know, at the end, even if he loses, you know, that might get you somewhere. Okay, yeah, I'm with you here. And I was looking for upsets. You know, first I look at line value. There's definitely some line value on Stipe Miocic. Uh, so, again, he'll have 
pretty high ownership because of that. The other guy that seems to have line value, but I get really conflicted about this one, John, because uh, for me, the eye test says Manny Bermudez will defeat Casey Kenny, but right around plus 100, plus 105 for Kenny, he's getting money moving his way, and he's only 7,800 on DraftKings. I don't know if the payoff's going to be as big there, but that seems like a viable option for me uh, if I'm building some lineups. It does, and Kenny looked pretty good. Uh, defeating Ray Borg in March and Ray Borg's good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been a little up and down as far as, you know, wins and losses, but you know, there was a time Ray Borg was certainly considered a future title contender mm-hmm. at flyweight and, you know, Bermudez is good to this. That's a good fight. You know, Bermudez is coming off. Well, really not really. Yeah. He's undefeated as a pro. He's 14 and 0. Um, mm-hmm. but a, a guy, uh, Bermudez worries a me. Bunch of submissions in a row. Yes. And that worries me guys. If you have a guy who's a knockout artist and a guy who's a submission specialist, it's much, always much, much easier to project a knockout than it is a submission. You know, first you got to get the guy to the ground, then you got to get the guy in position to clamp the submission on. So that's why picking submission specialists worry me sometimes. And the other reason is when all is said and done and push comes to shove, you can't win in this sport if you can't at least threaten your opponent on the feet. If you're a one dimensional grappler, and only can do all your damage on the mat, you know, you're, you're going to beat up fringe fighters, but you're not going to go all the way. And I, I'm, I'm willing to listen on Kenny at 7,800 as a, as a nice value play. Yeah. Right on there with you. I mean, you're going to, you have to play the field a little bit when you're looking at these, uh, especially for GPPs. And if more money shifts his way, um, I mean, who knows, it might actually be more uh, profitable to go the other way if you have room. But if you're looking for upsets and you don't buy my Derek Brunson logic, or you have, you don't think Stipe has a chance. I think he's up there on that list of live dogs here. One more either or for you. These guys, uh, I've got their car close at 9,000 and Kyung Ho Gung at 8,900. Do you have any lean there? If you're left in a, if you're left in a tough, lineup here i mean gung is a minus 175 favorite closes a minus 200 favorite against giagos i would probably say close close worries me a little because he's a brawler mm-hmm. like a straight up just you know go get him but i think his power is legit and he's been durable for a guy who goes in and stands and bangs like he does and that's really all he does and that's what um, you're looking never, for you're looking for him to bang yeah, and land is. one of those it is. And he's never been knocked out. You know, so a guy who is willing to go in there and go back and forth and he's faced some power punchers closest face, David Tamer. He's faced Lando Venata, Bobby Green. You know, he faces guy. He has faced guys who go in there and stand and trade with you. And he hasn't emerged victorious in all of them, but he's never been knocked out. And, you know, that's a big thing. Durability alone can win you fights when you got two guys who are just standing and trading mm-hmm. yeah there might even be enough dogs on this card uh, if you wanted to go close with one of those other 9500 or Yusef and 9300 so a lot of ways you can attack this i'm very excited to see how everything plays out on saturday night um one of the best cards of the year can't wait to check it out uh that's going to wrap things up for us though thanks again for listening to the rotowire mixed martial arts podcast thanks again to our sponsors at prize picks and uh, of course you can always go to rotowire.com slash pod that's rotowire.com slash pod to get a free 10-day trial to uh, all of our tools i know football season's coming up if you want to check out our mma optimizer which can optimize lineups based on betting odds now that's a new feature we have i haven't mentioned that in a while if you want to check that out but also want to you know maybe download a cheat sheet for your fantasy football draft deck that's coming up you do not have to enter in any kind of credit card information you can get 10 days as if you were a fully paid up subscriber to 
to check out our tools. Now's probably the perfect time. It's definitely the most popular time of the year to do that. So remember, rotowire.com slash free to get that checked out. Again, if you want to follow John on Twitter, it's at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at rotojake. Nice and simple. John, uh, I'll talk to you again before UFC 242. Habib Poirier, that's going to be an excellent fight. That is going to be an excellent fight. And that should be a really live crowd in Abu Dhabi. So that's mm-hmm. that's the next one. That should be a good one. This is a good one. And there the pay-per-views the rest of the year. It started a little slow, but we mm-hmm. mentioned last time. It's picking up now. We need a main event for New York at Madison Square Garden. I, I don't know if that's going to be the Covington-Usman or if that's for the main event, but uh, that's still up in the air, and I'm excited to see what they do with that. Maybe they do Bones against Blakovich. I've seen a, maybe they do them both. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'd much, you know, that the I guess, you know, Jones has to fight somebody, but that I think the Covington Usman fight right now, as far as, you know, entertainment value and quality of a matchup might be the best fight the UFC can book at the moment. Yep, right on. And I'm very much excited for whatever direction they go with that. Well, thanks again for giving us a listen. Rotowire.com slash pod uh, at John Littering at Roto Jake. Uh, peace out and uh, good luck with those UFC 241 lineups.